the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, hello, my friends. Do you not have some excitement stirring inside that heart and spirit of yours? Well, you should. You know, many people believe, and I am among them, that God is about ready to launch the greatest, absolutely the greatest evangelical effort that the world has ever seen. And I'm talking about greater than ever, anything before, anything before, because this is the last time where all God's kids need to come into the kingdom. And God has a special role for you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about a book that was written specifically for you as a field manual for believers. My co-host for the entire two hours is a guy named Judge Earl Clampett, and he has some of the authors of this book, actually all of the authors of the book, to join us throughout the entire um, two-hour portion. I'm going to quickly blow the shofar because if you've listened to the show before, you know that God uses the shofar to stir attention and say, pay close attention because I've got something I want you to know that's going to empower you. So that's what's going on today. I'm going to blow the shofar. Hi, Earl, by the way. Greetings, Kaz. Okay, so here goes the shofar blast. I'm going to has it, ha- hand it over to Earl Clampett, who's going to hand it over to some of the authors of this book called Kingdom Calling. Get ready, friends, because this is for Y-O-U or E-W-E, depending how you spell yourself. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Earl Clampett, what do we got here? Oh, okay. Kaz, um, real quick, two years ago, um, four of us got together. Um, the four are, were included originally two uh, Messianic Jews and two Gentiles, and we gathered at uh, Robert Wolf's um, home up in Malibu, and we discussed God wants to do something unique, uh, one of a kind, very different for this season, but we didn't know quite how to, to approach it. The other Messianic Jew who showed up that um, moment was from Santa Barbara, um, Marty Wrightson, and he was a uh, pastor of vine- up in the vineyard, uh, uh, with Vineyard Ministries in Santa Barbara. And yes. he said, look, I drove down from Santa Barbara to Malibu today. I only ho- heard um, three words. And we said, okay, give it to us, lay it on us. And he said, this is what I think God's saying to us. Deconstruct before you reconstruct. And so that set the tone. Now, although Marty didn't actually uh, contribute as far as writing, he did kick off the theme. And so uh, that's what this book is all about. It's a book for uh, believers to say, what is your role in this next kingdom move? 
And it's a tool. It's basically tools for them to take, uh, understand how to uh, apply God's word powerfully. Exactly. And the reason we called a field manual instead of a tackle box is because we said you're going into rules of engagement Ooh. because you're going to participate in spiritual, spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, Bob Wolf is one of the four people. Yes, that are authors and he, of this and, book. Yes, and he headed this thing up uh, for all in all reality. He wrote a lot of it, and um, and so uh, we want to. Talk to Bob first this afternoon. Hello, Bob Wolf. Okay, okay, tell me whether you can hear me. We hear you just fine. Earl, I'm going to have you conduct the, the interview uh, with Robert Wolf, and uh, he's going to be taking two segments. My listening friend, you need to pay close attention. Each one of these segments builds into a manual that's going to empower you beyond your imagination, but also those who are surrounding you. Uh, Earl? Bob, you wrote several sections of this um Manual and um, the the section that I wanted to lead off with this afternoon is that section called Kingdom Calling to Lead, specifically where you say believers are leaders. Can you uh, tell us what led up to your putting this section together in the book, this particular section? Well, it's interesting because I've been doing One New Man ministry, as you have, Earl, and these others who are with us for quite some time. And I would talk to pastors, and I would get the head nod in terms of understanding the calling of the One New Man. But in terms of actually instigating something with this, the idea of equipping people was not a problem. But the problem became when people were released. Well, I want to equip them, but I don't want to have them leave my church or my synagogue. Okay? I mean, I worked hard to get them to the place (laughs) that they're at, and I'm not so sure I want to send them away. Sometimes that was spoken. Many other times, most of the times it was not spoken, but it actually became more of the reality. We realized that they would acquiesce to the concept, but then would not employ it. Mm -hmm. And so... The question was, how is it the people that are equipped are going to have an understanding that the Lord Yeshua released people right from the beginning? He didn't send them to seminary. He didn't tell them they had to learn, you know, certain parts of Scripture in order to to uh, minister to other people. He just said, go and tell people about me, that the one who God sent is here. And he released people. And so uh, the question was, how are we going to affirm pastors but still get people to realize that they need to follow wherever it is that God has called them? And so this short section of the book is very short. It came out of my spirit that just said, you know, believers are leaders. I was seeing all these people sitting in pews, and they would shake their head on Sunday morning, and they would even do ministry during the week. But the idea of actually stepping out— and leading in a ministry was something that I wasn't really seeing happen very often. For the self-starter, yes, but for most people, it was almost like they were stuck in the pews, and and they were uncomfortable about the idea of going out to doing their, their own ministry. And I think I, I just felt I just needed to remind people as to who they are in the Lord, that if you are a believer, you're filled with the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It yes. tells that in the Scripture. And yet we're taking this awesome power that God has to raise people from the dead and to heal them and to do ministry, and then we're 
you know, we're basically, are we sheep? Yes, but we're not sheep that are called to stay corralled or in the barn. Um, when Jesus goes out uh, to find the lost sheep and he leaves the 99 behind, it says that he leaves them in the open field, out on the hillside, that, that he was not trying to get them all corralled so that they would be safe. No, you guys are doing what you need to do. I've got to go over there and find Bob or Earl, whatever it is, because I need to talk to him. I need to, to work on something with him. But he was releasing people to go and do ministry. And I felt that, that we needed to identify people in terms of what their identity was in God, which is what happens in the previous chapter that Don Ennevolson does a masterful job with. And then the next... I think we just lost you, Bob, Robert. Hello. Okay, we just lost you. We've got about one minute here, so conclude this one because we're going to bring you back for the next segment to talk okay. about another segment of the book, but we've got about one minute. Rabbi Pastor Robert Wolf. And I, w- I was coming to the conclusion there, which is, is that, okay, release them. Let them go. Let them do the passion that God has put within their heart so that they would go and, and live the passion that they wanted to to advance the kingdom of God. So that's that's what moved me to write this chapter. Well, but more than the chapter, you, you guys have uh, joined forces and created a field manual for believers, and there are some very prolific uh, leaders that have given you high accolades. We'll talk about that in future portions of the book. But uh, Rabbi Pastor Robert, uh, you and I spent a couple hours on the show a, a few weeks ago talking about other things, but if the whole thing is empowering God's kids. We're, you know, you and your heart, and I know Earl feels the same way, we are on the cusp or the verge of the greatest evangelism that the world has ever seen. I mean the greatest. And everybody has to have pieces of the equation that they're, that they're called to do and to be activated in those. So that's really what this field manual for believers called Kingdom Calling is all about. You're going to join Earl and I in the next segment to tell us more. Are you not? Yes, sir. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first from here. So um, Rabbi Pastor Robert Wolf, Earl Clampett, and Kaz will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, hello, my friends. You have joined us at the beginning of a two-hour show into which we are going to empower you to do what God's calling you to do. Uh, actually, you are a, uh, a warrior for Christ, and what that means you're going to understand a little bit better as you understand about this book that was written by four authors called Kingdom Calling, a Field Manual for Believers and Earl, uh, as you continue the conversation with uh, Rabbi uh, Robert Wolf, uh, I would like you to ask him as far as uh, where people can get the book from his perspective and then launch into this uh, eight or ten minute uh, interview portion. Okay, uh, Bob, could you um, give people a website, your website, because they have four different websites eventually they're going to be given, but yours where they could uh, get access to this book? Uh, yeah, we're at Awakening One. And it's the number one dot org, awakening one dot org. Okay, awesome. We're right on the home page, and you can click on order this book. It take you to Amazon. Okay. Uh, we'll also give some information here in a bit because 
we've been doing this special promotion for a while where you can actually uh, buy the book on Kindle for 99 cents and you can buy it in bulk. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that because we want to make this into very, very inexpensive seed so that it's virtually uh, just uh, limitless in terms of the number of people that you can give it to because we've, we've dropped the bottom out of the price. Okay, well, before we ask you on more on the book, why don't you just give me a real quick uh, idea on this uh, publisher's discount that you're talking about? Um, yeah, well, that's if, if you, I'll, I'll look up Dean's thing. I didn't have it in front of me, quite honestly, and so I'll dig that out here in a second. Okay. Uh, but um, that's, that's just, we wanted to just make the book available, and we are giving it out. Uh, most of us are handing out 10 copies at a time, just saying, here, take it and give it to your friends and encourage them to do the same. This is, you know, there's always some kind of idea about how to multiply things that people come up with for the sake of distribution. We're not doing it for the sake of profitability. This is for uh, the purpose of just putting good seed out into the kingdom, and it basically is either at or below our cost for what it is that we're doing. And so we just decided we wanted to make it as universally available as possible. Okay, so while you're looking for that information, I wanted to go to this uh, repeated uh, methodology of ending chapters in this in this uh, booklet, and that is something called kingdom commitments. And I just want to go back to what we were talking about with kingdom calling to lead. Be- leaders are believers, and I'm looking at these kingdom commitments. Can you say how you got to that point on activation for the reader? Uh, utilizing these kingdom commitments. What are they, and uh, what do they contain? The kingdom commitments are basically are declarations, so that as people read these chapters, and, and by the way, it took four of us two years to write 35 pages. This is not <laughs> a long book, okay? Uh, and so most of the chapters are only two pages long. Some of them go to a third page. But then there are declarations or decrees where we're actually um, encouraging people to empower themselves by stating the principles that they're read. And so first we give the scripture, then we give a brief description of what it is and the significance of that scripture, and then at the end of the chapter, we're having people actually speak into it so that they take the authority that God has given us, the authority that, that Yeshua said, all authority has been given unto me and I give it to you, and so that we're, we're, not, we're not walking in that. And it's a very simple process. And so we're asking people to simply take the step of faith and to decree and state the things that they're learning and to embrace those things as a part of the identity that God has given them. Wow, wow. Let, let, me, let me set the stage to my listening friend. There's a piece of the equation that they really haven't dug deeply into, and it's really important. You're dealing with the Lord's Prayer. Is that, is that right, Rabbi? That's the opening part, as a matter of fact. We, we decided that the, the disciples said, uh, where do we start? How do we pray? What do we do? And so we just took it, we broke it down, and then we have people uh, read through the book and then to decree those portions as soon as they are done reading that chapter. So it's a very simple process. For example, the first couple of them is, I'm a child of God. He's my heavenly father. We have a loving family relationship. I'm a citizen of heaven. My fulfilled covenantal relationship with God's person, power, and dominion flows through me as his Holy Spirit draws me closer to himself. So we're stating these things. 
We're stating them out loud so that we actually speak the words of Scripture to ourselves and acknowledge that we have this relationship with God. And that is a power, powerful way to communicate with the Lord and also to communicate with our own inner being as to who God has made us. And all the way, all the way along, people are becoming more and more equipped to be able to, to step out and uh, proclaim God's Word, and that's what this field manual is all about, right, Earl? Yes, and Bob, um, on breaking down the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11, uh, you have it broken down, kingdom calling to pray on the first half, and then on the second half, another chapter, you have, um, using Matthew 6, 9, you have kingdom calling to pursue. Why did you, why did you separate the, uh, the approach to uh, addressing the Lord's Prayer with those two segments? Well, it's interesting because Matthew 6, uh, 9 through 13 actually adds certain things to the Lord's Prayer that are not in the Luke section. And so a lot of people, when they're looking at the Lord's Prayer, they think that both, both, uh, both of them are the same. But in fact, both of them have the same first part, but Matthew adds the second part. And so we felt we wanted people to understand the Lord's Prayer in the full context. Okay. Um, do you see a different emphasis um, with addressing the Lord's Prayer when you've pretty much done a synthesis of, of, of each line? Is there a new emphasis on which aspect of the Godhead is being emphasized in this future mood of God? Absolutely. The, the first two words of the Lord's Prayer are our Father. Those two words, people need to stop right there. And that's where we, where we stop. The first thing in the book is like, look at these two words and come to a full stop. What is Yeshua saying? He's talking to about his, not just God, but he's talking to him as a father, and he's saying the word our. That puts us, puts us on equal standing with God, with Yeshua, with his son. That's a showstopper right there. So to begin with, we have to declare something about our identity and where we stand with God and where we stand with Yeshua. Once we've done that, then we dig deeper into this thing in terms of what our relationship is with God. And then when we get to the part in, uh, uh, in, the, in the second half here where we're pursuing, now we're actually saying, okay, God, this is how we walk it out. And so we're actually asking God to do things. Give us this day our daily bread. And so first we come up with our relationship with God, then we understand what our identity is. And having that identity, then we say, God, understanding that, I'm now asking you to do this. We're not demanding of God. We're simply fulfilling a familial, familial relationship with God. And that's where those prayers come from. I see what you guys are doing. I'm smiling because, you know, so many people go, what can I do? What can I do? Well, God has given you his word to instruct you, but even even more in a fine-tuned way, elements of his word are actually going to equip you so that you can not only do it yourself, but also alongside of other people. And that's what this field manual for believers called Kingdom Calling uh, deals with. We've got about two or two and a half minutes or so, uh, Rabbi Wolf, in this, in your heart of hearts, People are listening to this. They're going, okay, well, I'm starting to get the message. And my friend, you're going to get it more and more as we go through with Earl Clampett and the rest of the authors. But what's on your heart now, uh, Robert, to share with these people in the, in the two, two and a half minutes that are left? I think that what the enemy has tried to steal from the beginning is our identity, 
our relationship with God. And uh, and this field manual is there to cement it and to, to give a biblical foundation for what it is and to show us how the Lord is, how, how Yeshua is calling us back to the Father and putting us in this family relationship with each other and with him. We are actually in the family of God. We are children of the Most High God. And with that understanding, there isn't anything that's unavailable to us, and we simply don't walk in that understanding. And it's right there. It's right where Yeshua started in the first two words, and he takes it from there. My, my, my. Earl, this is this is remarkable. And Rabbi Robert Wolf, thank you for spending uh, the first two segments with us. We've got other authors as well. Um, once again, a website for you that they can find the book. One t- more time, quickly. Yeah, Robert. it's awakeningone.com. And the number one, awakening one. Yeah, the number one, or .org, either one. But uh, awakening one is all you have to know. It's right there on the home page, and uh, take it from there. Very good. A Kingdom Calling, a remarkable small book, easy read, but one that you need to pass along to other people. It's powerful, and uh, it's a tool for you to go out in the field and do what God's called you to do. Earl, we've got about 30 seconds. Tell us what's going coming up in the next segment. Next segment, we're going to have Don Envilson, and he wrote um, a section called Kingdom Calling to Represent Him. That is the aspect of being an emissary. So we're a child of God, but we're also, also an his eminent. emissary. I like it. This, uh, the voice you just heard was Judge Earl Clampett. Uh, he's got a ministry called Simple Truth Ministries. We'll talk about that in another segment or two uh, in the future. My listening friend, I want you geared up because God is calling us to do what our bidding is. We're in the last of the last days. The enemy thinks he's got us, but if he just knew the power of God's saints, which this book is written around you discovering, uh, he has no chance. So Earl and I and a special caller who is another author are going to be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends. Well, you know the Gospels have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This particular book we're talking about is called Kingdom Calling. It's a field manual for believers and while the Gospels have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are four authors to this that really embrace those four other authors and also empower us to do what God tells us to do, especially in these pivotal times. If you have a sense that God is on the move and he is going to be evangelizing like never before, guess what? You're exactly right. And God knows that you need to have some tools to do this. And so we're spending some time talking about this book called... It's a little book that you can read in minutes called Kingdom Calling, a Field Manual for Believers. Earl Clampett is one of the authors, but he's also a co-host here. Uh, Judge Earl Clampett. Judge, you wanted to introduce our next uh, author and give a little bit of insights, and I'm going to hand it to you to carry on, sir. Okay, thank you, Kaz. Our next author is Don Innovolson out of Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Don... uh, attended uh, Church on the Way with um, Pastor Jack Hayford um, back in the 70s. Um, he has, um, he right now is, is in uh, an advanced uh, program to get a higher degree, uh, theologically speaking. But anyway, he, Don was one of the original guys who were at Bob Wolf's home in Malibu when um, Marty uh, Wrightson came in and announced we need to deconstruct before, Before we, we reconstruct. Oh, that's so good. And so, and so 
Don is actually writing a book on the kingdom um, as well. But he wrote this section called Kingdom Calling to represent him. Don, are you there? I am here. I'm Don, glad to be here. Well, welcome, and, and we're glad to have you with us. Could you um, lay out, Don, what, uh, what influenced you to contribute this portion uh, based on Marty, uh, Marty Wrightson's initial declaration, we're supposed to deconstruct before we reconstruct as we advance into this final move of God. Um, why did, how did that influence you writing this particular chapter? Well, this has been a, a road that I've been on for a long time, actually, since I heard Jack Hayford teach in a class at Life Bible College on the Synoptic Gospels. Because I remember him talking about the kingdom of God, and I remember him saying, if you can understand what Jesus meant by the kingdom of God, then it'll change your life. And if you get nothing else out of the class, it'll be worth it. And I, I got to tell you, it took me five years to digest the notes I got from that one semester. Mm. And I never looked back. I've never been the same. So when Marty started talking about deconstructing, I understood right away what we were deconstructing was most people's view of what salvation is. Because they think of it as, I get born again so I can go to heaven when I die, and then I'm going to sit around here and just wait to be raptured out. And they've kind of missed the whole point. It's not about changing our location from here to heaven. It's about restoring the vocation that God created us for, which is to represent Him. You need to say that again. That's a remarkable revelation you have there, Don. Uh, yeah, it's not original with me, but it's it's not about—salvation is not about changing our location from here to heaven. It's about restoring to us the vocation that God created us for way back in Genesis 1. Wow. Uh, and that's that's what the background was for this chapter. And, of course, it fit into this bigger picture of starting with the Lord's Prayer, which is once you understand who you are in Christ, how do you do this? You know, and Bob's heart was all about helping people— step into their gifts and calling. Well, it, that starts with knowing who you are, and knowing who you are goes back to the very moment of creation, uh, which when, when we really look at it, Genesis 1, 26 to 28 are really key verses in this whole thing, because God said that he created man in his likeness and image. And most people don't think much about what that means. If they do, they go off into some theological ozone somewhere. <laughs> but really... We know what that means because the two words there, which in Hebrew, in the Hebrew text, are likeness is demuth, which means likeness or resemblance. And then uh, uh, image is, is the word selim, which has to do also with, with looking like something. So it's, the idea is really well illustrated by a, an inscription that was found, on, uh, of all places, on the statue of an ancient Assyrian king. Uh, whose name is almost impossible to pronounce, but it's something like Hadi Yuthi of Gazan, which is a city in eastern Syria. Um, but this inscription is in Akkadian and Assyrian, or Akkadian and Aramaic, rather. So it has exactly the same words, Demuth and Selim, that are used in Scripture. And it's written about the same time as Genesis, so we can get a really good feel of it. In this statue, it says that the king, in the first part of it, stands before his God and in worship takes on the character of his God. That's what likeness is. It's all about this horizontal relationship. And then he turns and he becomes uh, Selim, which is the, the visible image of his God to his kingdom. Now, that, that was the, the, the mindset in the entire Middle East, and that's exactly what God is saying in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. We are supposed to stand before God, take on his character through worship, 
And then we are to turn to the world and become the visible image of God to the world. When people look at us, they should see the Father. And if they're not, we're not living the way we should. So, Don, let me ask you, let me, let me ask you, so is, is one a ver- vertical sort of experience and the other is a, a horizontal? So can you explain that again, which is vertical and which is horizontal? Uh, the, the vertical is, is getting to know God, basically, and becoming so much like him that we think like him, we act like him. Um, everything we do is just the way God would do it if he were standing here in us, which he actually is. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, um, so that is the vertical part of it, becoming like God in terms of our character. The horizontal is how we touch other people, and that is the the image part of this, is becoming the image of God to other people. Uh, this is why these relationships we have with other people are so important, but we can't really do them effectively unless we've got the vertical relationship straight. They go together hand in hand, can't separate it. Okay, uh, now— You look at the two greatest— Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, one of the two sections, the next section is uh, is how it leads into uh, co-regency can you, and, and a representative or an emissary of God. Can you explain what a co-regent is? A co-regent is somebody who reigns in the place of the king, uh, representing the king and making decisions, speaking out his, his dictates, if you will. Uh, in our case, this means that we are to... Uh, stand in the place of God, listen to what he says, and then basically command it into being using the authority that we have as human beings. Wow. And we haven't talked about authority yet, but that's a really key element of this. And when Jesus came and preached the gospel of the kingdom, it, it's very interesting, and, and uh, we don't go into it much in this book, but this is the background of this understanding that I, as a human being, have been given authority to rule the earth. That's from Genesis 1, 26 to 28, have dominion over the earth. The reason we do that is so that we can represent God effectively by overruling the kingdom of the enemy, overruling curses, overruling sickness, overruling demonic activity by declaring the will of God as his representative. That's the essence of why he put us here. Wow. And if we don't understand that, it's kind of hard to do ministry of any kind, really. Yes. We're talking with Don, and help me with the pronunciation of your last name, Anna Volson. That's very good. Did I get close? That's perfect. (laughs) My listening friend, are are you, let me just give you an overview here, because Earl wants to get some more insights on here, especially some of the people (laughs) that have read this book and have some things to say about it. But but Don's talking about us becoming the image and likeness of God, and when we have that horizontal and vertical relationship, there's nothing we can't do because God is in us and speaking to us. But know this, that the enemy has a counterfeit. Also, he has other people that are emulating his image and his likeness to defy and define what godlessness is and encouraging them to embrace his image and his likeness. God's calling us, and he's saying, it's time for us to stand in the gap for that thing and show the real thing in the face of what the enemy is trying to divert our attention to. And this is the time for God's kingdom calling to you to be able to be impacted and empowered to be able to do these things. The enemy is having what looks like a free reign. You need to stand in, and I need to stand in, but he wants us to be equipped by manuals such as this. Earl, um, we've got about a minute in this segment, and Don, I know you're going to stay with us for the next segment too, Earl. Well, I want to explore that concept later in the second segment with Don regarding the authority, the issue of authority, and then his last uh, item that he lists um, in his chapter, which is citizens of the kingdom. What does that mean? What does it look like in real time? How does that play out so that people can understand practically 
the significance of citizens of the kingdom. Are you game for that for the next segment there, Don? I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Yes, before, before we go, give us a very brief website. Well, just, just tell us the website where people can find out more about you and also this book from your perspective. Um, my website is counterthought.org, and I don't have anything about the book posted there yet. So to find the book, go back to Awakening One. Okay. Um, .org, which is the one that Bob gave us. But um, like that's the best place to get the book. Very good. Uh, so I encourage people to go there. I'll tell you what, my friend, um, I, if you feel like you're getting downloaded upon, you are, because there are things that we need to do, and we can't do them until we are equipped. And that's the reason for this show, and that's the reason for this book called Kingdom Calling, a Field Manual for Believers. So Earl Clampett and Don and I will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, you know you need to do something instead of just sitting around and thinking about doing things. But you also know that you need to be properly equipped That's the purpose of this show, because God needs to have us equipped and ready to go as his army members to do things to impact this nation and this world. And he's given you some anointing to do that. And sometimes you just need to know what that looks like, sounds like, and is like. So we're spending some time on this little booklet called The Kingdom Calling, a field manual for believers. My co-host is with me for the entire two hours, Earl Clampett. And we have Don Enna-Voltzen with us. Here as well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I may be sliding a little bit on that, Don. Forgive me. At least my name is Taylor, which is fairly easy. <laughs> yeah, most people just call me Don. They don't okay. even try. <laughs> Earl, you had some thoughts, and you want to engage him in some questions about his sections in the book. Yes. Um, so, Don, we left off, and you briefly alluded to authority—the type of authority that we as citizens of the kingdom are given. So I wanted you to talk about that last section in the book and then also a little bit about the, um, how that got listed out in your activation of kingdom commitments on, on page 20 there. But so can you talk a, a little bit about how the citizens of the kingdom and that concept of authority uh, come into play together? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, we need to really understand the difference between power and authority. And I guess the simplest illustration would be to look at a policeman. He has authority, which is his permission, so to speak, to enforce the law that's represented by his badge. But then he has the power, which is his firearm or a nightstick, that which he uses then to enforce it. In the kingdom of God, authority matters much, much more than power does. And human beings have been given authority to rule the earth, meaning that we stand in the place of God's vice regents and we begin to give commands. You know, Bob said earlier, we don't demand of God. That is true, but we do demand of the enemy. And we, we do it as a royal decree. We don't just sit around praying, oh, God, please help me. Uh, we're supposed to know what God wants by looking into heaven the way Jesus did in John 5, where he said that he doesn't do anything unless he sees the Father do it first. We're supposed to look into heaven and see what God is doing and then use the authority of human beings that he gave us to command it into being. This changes the rules, and, Don. This changes the rules rather than sitting around praying, praying, declaring, and activating. I mean, it's different. It is very different, and it's it's really important that we understand that this has to be done in obedience. Um, I think I, in another book I'm working on, I say it this way, that authority matters more in the kingdom of God than power, but obedience matters more than authority. 
because using the Lord's name in vain is basically commanding something that is not actually God's will, but our will. Mm. We're supposed to tune into God first, say, God, what are you doing on this earth? And then I'm going to step into agreement with it, and I'm going to speak it in prayer. Uh, th- this is actually, it's, it's interesting, you know, Bob started with the Lord's Prayer, which is the best way that there is to activate this authority. But it's in ancient Hebrew literature, and this includes in the New Testament, the most important part of a poem or something like that is the very center point. Uh, it's like they build up to this crescendo and then they work away from it. That's how they used to structure things. When the Sermon on the Mount, the very center of it, the most important part of this long sermon of Jesus was the Lord's Prayer. It's dead center. And the very center of the Lord's Prayer are those words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, most people don't think of that as much more than just, oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But what he's really saying is when we pray, it is let your rulership, God, come. Let me know what you want, what you are doing in heaven, so that I can demand that it be done on earth the same way it's being done in heaven. That's the core of effective prayer. And if we learn to do that, we can change the world, flip it upside down, because and, and, that's what we're supposed to do. We do that through the manifestation of the gifts, which is why this was so important. You can see why this dovetails into what Bob's vision was. Yes. I mean, we use the gifts to accomplish all this, but it's all based on this authority. The things that Jesus did on this earth, he did as a human being. That doesn't mean he's not God. He absolutely is. But he acted as a human being using the authority of a human being to do the things that he did in ministry so he could show us how to do it. And then he said, the, the things <laughs> I'm doing, you can do even greater. Oh my. And, you know, <laughs> and if we can wrap our heads around that, because that runs so contrary to the way that we have been taught in church oh, for man. centuries. And what so God's saying, I, time is, time is short. Time is short. You've got to get That's it. But you not only, you know, you, you know, don't be an armchair quarterback. You need to be out there in the thick of things, but you need to be empowered and you need to have an understanding of what to do. And that's what this little book and booklet is, is, is for as well. Mm-hmm. Kingdom Colin Earl. Yeah. Uh, Don, can you can you elaborate on on the um, element of authority um, as to how it plays out in the kingdom commitments that are listed at the end of your of your chapter? Your, your long chapter of two pages. So can you can you um, can you tie that in on the authority part um, as the, as you look at the kingdom commitments on page twenty and and give them an idea how that would look at, like in the practical reality rollout or implementation of it. Yeah, there are things like uh, I mean, some of them are like my purpose on earth is to reflect the glory and the will of God. I mean, that once I understand who I am, which is a king on this earth. I'm a vice regent representing God, and why God put me here, which is to reflect his glory and to reflect his will and to accomplish it, then I can start to move in these gifts with a different attitude. And that makes all the difference in the world. When I declare I have the mind of Christ, it means that I'm taking time in prayer to zero in on what it is God wants. And then my prayers become very specific. It's not, oh, Lord, uh, bless so-and-so. It's more like I'm specifically praying, oh, Lord, what is going on in that person's life? You know, and uh, I mean, we have we have an example of this. Uh, I have a prayer group that actually meets on Saturday night, and we have a very good friend who had COVID, went in the hospital, and came about as close to death I think as you can get. And we spent three weeks praying for him and not seeing any changes. And then we all went on a retreat out of town, the whole group, and we spent three hours one night focused entirely on what is God saying about our friend. And by the time we got done, we were starting to declare what God showed us, which was that the real problem would come to light. 
was one of the things. Well, that very night, without us even knowing it, somebody sitting around in the hospital decided they would do a scan, and he discovered that he had pneumonia and there was fluid in his lungs that they didn't realize, and it wasn't the COVID that was killing him. Oh, my. And they began the treatment, and within 12 hours, we got the first positive report we'd had in three weeks. But if we had not zeroed in on what God was saying about this situation, he probably would have died, quite frankly. Oh, my. And, you know, Um, in, in the world right now, there's a lot of miscommunication from a medical standpoint education standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, governmental standpoint, even a family and a church standpoint, yep. the enemy wants to stir things up and make it confusing. And we have to know mm-hmm. not only uh, not only uh, God's word, but the implications behind God's word so we can be empowered. Earl? Uh, Don, looking real quick, because we're running out of time here. Uh, number four, can you just elaborate on that? Wherever I place my foot, you got three minutes here. Wherever I place my foot, the kingdom of God is there. Tell us what that looks like. Wow. The way that looks is that by, by international law, when you are an ambassador from a country, legally, there's a space, I think it's a three-foot radius around you, it might be five feet, but that space on which you are standing and a circle around you literally belong to the country that you represent. So like if I am an ambassador to the United States and I go to Russia, where I am is technically the United States. That's why ambassadors are not subject to the laws of the countries they go visit. Mm-hmm. Now, as an ambassador of the kingdom of God, where I stand is the kingdom of God. God's rule is there, and his rules are what apply. His laws are what apply, not the rules of the enemy. And I can stand there and say, no, I have diplomatic immunity. I am overriding whatever rules the enemy has in mind. I'm overriding his destruction. I'm overriding his chaos. I'm bringing the order of God's rule here, because as his representative, where I put my foot is the kingdom of God. And God the Father is king in this spot, as long as I'm standing here. And once we start to get that attitude, I mean, you can see how that'll change the way we pray. Yes, know? yes, yes. I'm gonna. May I? May I invite you? We've got about a uh, little under sixty seconds left. We're, we're talking with Don Anavolson here, and he is one of the authors of this wonderful book called Kingdom Calling. Would you invoke uh, a declaration over our listeners to take them to that next level of actually getting them activated? A lot of people are just they're a little nervous or anxious about me. I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> the truth of the matter is you were built to do this. Isn't that right, Don? That's so right. take, take about exactly 30 seconds right. and declare this. Yeah, well, I'm just going to say that as a prayer. Father in heaven, I, I ask that you make clear to everyone listening to my voice right now what you created them for and who they are in you. Kings, rulers, those with authority to overrule the enemy and represent you as your vice regent. Lord, open that up little at a time so that they understand and not be overwhelmed, but make that so clear to everyone listening that they begin to step out in their gifts and in their calling. In Jesus' name. Oh, wow. Don Anavoldson, thank you for spending some time with Earl Clampett and me, uh, one of the remarkable authors of this small but powerful book called Kingdom Calling. God bless you, sir. Thank you. (laughs) Pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure. Earl Clampett, uh, we've got some other guests coming on. One of them happens to be YOU. So uh, what are we going to see in the ne- see and hear in the next segment about this wonderful little power book called Kingdom Calling? Well, um, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, it, I'm from Simple Truth Ministries. I think the Bible has a simple message. It's powerful but simple, and so I'm going to be talking about the simplicity of the Bible, and everyone hopefully can relate to that. Okay, Earl Clampett and I and others shall be right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K Praise. 
Come together, San Diego, with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, welcome back, my friends, to Come Together San Diego. The second hour is upon us. My co-host, Earl Clampett, and we've been spending some time talking about a, a, a little book that's a powerhouse. It's called A Field Manual for Believers, and guess what, my listening friend? That is Y-O-U, but before you go out and uh, try to change the world, it's kind of important to know God's character and God's directives. So this book is little booklet is built to let you understand what that empowerment looks like so that you can move forward with conviction and wisdom. So Kingdom Calling, a field manual for believers. I'm just, Earl Clampett, uh, you're going to be, you're going to be the, uh, we've, we were dealing with the four different authors and you get, you drew the short stick to be with me in this, the, these two segments. And as I read the front of the book, there's an interesting thing here. It has a person's name whom I know, Alveda King, evangelist. Does that mean that she has read through this book and she also has some high accolades to say? Why don't you just set the stage for that? And I'm, I want you to jump in on some of the reasons why you wrote two s- segments of this book. Earl Clampett. Alveda King, evangelist, civil rights for the unborn. This is Martin Luther King's niece. Uh, she says you need to add this insightful book to your must-read list, and this is why she said that. She said, reaching beyond human connotations of race, of culture, of gender, and of social standing, Kingdom Calling speaks to the one-blood human race. Kingdom Calling is a shining light in the darkness. Yes. Now, um, Earl Clampett, tell us a little bit about you and then jump into those two segments. Okay. By the way, Earl and I have been friends. He's been a judge for a, a long time. And uh, you say, who's the judge of me? Well, Earl has been for, <laughs> for a number of yeah. years in San Diego County. Uh, and he also is a minister of a, a powerful ministry, and he's an author as well. That ministry is called SimpleTruthMinistries.net. Earl Clampett, give thank, it to us. Thank you, Kaz. The Simple Truth, when I... When I got involved in this project, I wanted to take what I considered to be on the whole deconstruct before the you know before you reconstruct thing that we heard you know as a kickoff, if you will, on the theme of what we were supposed to write with this kingdom calling. Um, and the simplicity is this: I have always looked at the scripture the last gosh fifteen twenty years yes. as a family affair. This is a, a reunion, a reunification of a ruptured relationship between a father and his wayward children. And that's us. That's us, <laughs> right. And, and um, you know, we've heard a lot of, about a lot of powerful movements um, in the past about revivals, et cetera, of either emphasizing uh, Jesus um, uh, in the get, bringing the good news to this land um, the Azusa Street Revival, which emphasized a different element of the Godhead, which was the Holy Spirit with uh, Pastor Seymour down in Azusa Street in Los Angeles, and even with the, um, the Jesus Movement in the early 70s to combat all the chaos that was going on in the 60s. And, um, but it, the emphasis has never been on the, what I consider to be number one element of the Godhead, which is in the very, very beginning of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, um, Adam and Eve had a relationship with their father. And, and so what happened when it blew up, uh, listening to someone who was trying to steal their authority, yes. uh, which the enemy successfully did, um, that ruptured their relationship with their father. They didn't lose heaven 
um, in the garden. What they lost was their eternal life because eternal life, Jesus uh, has defined in John 17, 3, as this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Now, that's the definition in John 17, 3. I was a Catholic for, you know, 16 formal uh, school years, and then I became a Protestant for 44 years, and now I'm studying in a Messianic congregation. So I've been in all the different facets. <laughs> and and the, the bottom line is that uh, I was taught that eternal life is dying and going to a place. It's a wonderful place, um, but that's its transportation has nothing to do with transformation. It's just going from X, you know, the uh, earth over to um, the ethos, to the ethereal world uh, that the Greeks all uh, loved so much. And anyway, the, what I start with in my section that I wrote, I said it's a, the chapter in this book is called Kingdom Calling, Back to Our Father. And when we go back to, it's always through Jesus, and it's by the Holy Spirit. So they are totally involved, and we don't mean to demean the roles of either the Holy Spirit or, or Jesus in, in, in this emphasis on Father at all, it, because it's echad, that it is God is one. That's right, and, they're, and they're all, each one of them is pointing to Father anyway. Exactly, and, exactly. and, and so um, I used to trick the inmates when I did jail ministry, and I would always misquote John fourteen six on purpose, because I knew what they were taught, because I was taught the same thing, which was... Um, uh, eternal life is a um, going dying and going to a place. So I'd read John fourteen six very fast. I'd say, "I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one goes to heaven except by me." And of course, they were all nodding along, <laughs> right? And so I just sit there and wait for somebody to, you know, I wouldn't say anything until somebody raised their hand and said, "My Bible doesn't say no one gets to heaven." I said, "Well, what does your Bible say?" It says, "No one gets to the Father." Ooh. And I said, "Well," listen, and he said, "Well, what difference does it make?" Well, I said, okay, Mr. Inmate, I'm the chaplain in this prison. I said, would you live your life any differently if you knew the end goal of this whole Christian walk, this Judeo-Christian walk, was getting back to a person called Father God, Avinu, Av, Abba, Father, as opposed to just dying and going to location. Yes. And he thought about it, and he goes, wow, yeah, I live my life radically Relation different. instead of location. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And so I said... That's how we get rid of recidivism so you guys don't come back to this jail anymore. And when we started to preach that kingdom message, that eternal life is relational with God now, in the here and now, um, and we taught the inmates how to do that. We incorporated some of that into this book. The deputies noticed that the inmates in House 5 and 6 of George Bailey Detention Facility were acting very differently from the inmates in the other four houses where they got the regular church message, you know, heaven, heaven, heaven. And so they asked us, and we said, we're teaching kingdom of God. Mm. Okay, and the core issue is know that eternal life is a relationship, relationship now, here and now, with your Father through his only begotten Son by his Holy Spirit. So we're not leaving anyone out of the equation. But we always eliminate Father when we are preaching evangelically. We always say Jesus is the is all, the only reason and the whole, you know, it's all about Jesus. And I think Jesus would be the very first yes. one to say, wait a minute, it's not all about me. I attribute everything I said to the Father. All of my works, I always gave credit to the Father. 
And everything I thought said motivations, implementation was always credited back to the father. Well, so you've got these inmates. Basically, if you look at the, the character traits of these inmates, father figures are non-existent in many instances. So when they actually hear the intent of God to re, uh, reconnect with Heavenly Father, it it puts some things together that they had never even considered in their life. Yes, and, and exactly gives them meaning because we explain to them, hey, fathers are different. We said Jesus is your older brother when he teaches you the Lord's Prayer. I mean, he's here on earth. And when, he's, when he comes up to you, uh, Mr. Inmate, and he says, our father, um, and he's, you're both on earth, what's that make Jesus to you in a family sense? They figure it right, out. Right. They say, well, that's my older brother. And I, yeah, and I said, he's not your father. Your father has different roles. And we explain to them, and I'll end this segment with this, he gives you identity first in your family. And, and if all of these are in the Lord's Prayer, by the way. That's why we, that's why we did the analysis and the synthesis on the Lord's Prayer. Um, he gives you identity, he gives you provision, and he gives you protection as members of his family, as children of the Most High God, as his children when he is your father. Identity provision and protection and in the next segment we can talk about where theirs are located in the lord's prayer that is so good earl clampett uh, simple truth ministries uh, i think the light for me is starting to go on more and more clearly you have these different authors that set the stage it's kind of like building a temple and actually look in the mirror the temple is you and and what god wants to do is he wants to give you revelation about that intimacy, and each one of you had vital roles and are having vital roles in taking people from one step to the other. And the conglomeration of this book altogether, the, the book called Kingdom Calling uh, and the, uh, the, man, the Manual for Believers, this is building within these people a comprehension of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but the Father in particular about coming back into that intimate relationship. Are you kidding me? Can we talk more about that? In the yes, next we're segment? going to talk about the different roles that they all have. <laughs> When Earl Clampett and Cass come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Well, hello, my friends. You know, you as a believer, you have different uh, news resources than the typical news resources, which is by and large fake news. So you're not hearing in the, in the fake news environment the things that are going on in this earth as far as people coming to the Lord, not only in America, not only in California, but throughout the world. And God is call, calling his kids to be in place when they ask the questions, you have the answers. So what we're doing today is we're going to be talking further about this book called Kingdom Calling, and we have four different authors. Earl Clampett has been co-host with me and who's one of the authors as well. So Earl, where would you like to take this? Earl Clampett, Simple Truth Ministries, Simple Truth Ministries dot org. No, no, net. Dot net. I'm a, I'm a net. I'm Slept not an org. Myself. That's all right. Sorry I'm about simple that. SimpleTruthMinistries.net. Um, thanks, Kaz. I uh, wrote a book. Uh, my, I, this is my third book, and I'm, I've got the fourth one coming out here pretty quick. But the second book has to deal with um, what God's, at Father God's blueprint is for us um, as his as his children, and um, the core issue that we all have to ask of the kingdom story is who r- governs and rules the world, and the world is the prize. And the reason I say that is uh, Psalm one fifteen says that you know the heavens belong to to God, but it, the uh, earth is He's given to the children of men, 
And it also says in the second temptation of Christ, Satan takes Jesus up to the top of a mountain. And so that we understand what the goals are between these two competing spiritual forces. You got Satanas, um, the Hasatan, Satan, who's the head of his fallen uh, kingdom. And then on the other hand, you have Father God. And so in the middle, uh, Jesus is taken up to the, to the uh, top of this mountain. And on the second temptation, he sh- Satan shows him, he doesn't show him heaven. He doesn't show him that that's the grand prize or that's the big goal or objective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What he shows him is earth and all of the nations in the earth. My. And so they understood what the prize was. We have no clue because we've been really poorly taught uh, in our church environment. We don't understand our Jewish roots. We don't understand the kingdom principles. And here's the core issue that has to be asked by everybody. Who will govern and rule the world? And this is what I start off with, the core issue. The fallen angelic kingdom believes the creator father should have selected them, fallen angels, and not human beings for this privileged position. But it was the resurrection of Messiah Jesus which exposes the lie of the enemy and proclaims to the world that all kingdom authority has been correctly and rightfully restored back to mankind to govern, steward, and rule the earth. Yes, and the bad guy, Satan, Hasatan, as you say, hates that, and especially now because he sees the, the, the clock ticking and it's probably the last portion of the last second right now. Exactly. And so he's doing everything he can to circumvent that. Exactly. And so, so that's, and, that, and we were talking about family uh, earlier. I dis- described that I think the Bible is just a, a reunion story. It's a circular story. Circular in the sense that uh, if you look at the pro- uh, uh, parable of the prodigal son returning, he basically squandered his fortune, squandered um, his inheritance from his father, but he came back home after he repented, and he came back to his father. Well, what was the message that Jesus came with? Did he say, oh, I came here to bring you to heaven? No. No. He said, I came here to fix a ruptured, broken relationship, just like the prodigal son returning to the father. The father was the objective the whole time. Why? Because the father, and I want to talk about those three elements in the the Lord's Prayer. Father, the father God, is the goal. It, that's why Jesus came. Yes. He, he, you know, and so where's the, where do we get our identity? We get our identity as children, not from our older brother, Jesus. We don't. Father God gives us our identity as children, and we can see that when we say our Father with the first two words of the Lord's Prayer. Well, fathers also give us provision. Okay, Where do you see that in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day. Yeah. Our daily bread. There's the provision element that the Father gives us. Because Jesus said, yeah, I'm only teaching you one prayer in the whole entire Bible. And he said, it's all contained in here. You, this is all, it's all there because it's all focused on your relationship with Father because that's eternal life, John 17, 3. All right. The third thing that fathers give us, first is identity, second is provision, the last thing a father gives us is protection. Mm. Where is that in the Lord's Prayer? But deliver us from the evil, evil. one. Oh, my. And see, salvation isn't so much a transportation plan as it is a get-out-of-prison plan. Because, <laughs> because when, it's interesting, when you read the Jewish Bible uh, translation of the New Testament, every time, with, at least with Stern, uh, David Stern, uh, complete Jewish Bible, every time salvation is mentioned, 
I won't say every time, but most of the time, salvation is mentioned. It's not talked about going from one place to another. It's talking about salvation is really deliverance, where the captivity and the clause of control that the enemy has over your your life, your mind, your will, your emotions, your physical body, your spirit are released, and, and he has, let, has to let go with his tentacles. He has no authority over you any longer. It's a process of, of getting out of prison, getting out of the spiritual confinement and slavery to sin. That's why Jesus came, to reintroduce us back to our Father and to liberate us. Yes. Okay? And that's what he announces when he, when he starts his ministry. They hand him the scroll in Isaiah 61, and he, and he reads it. He said... Uh, for I have come, listen, to set the captives mm. free. Yes. He didn't talk about going to heaven. He talked about getting free of the control that Satan has over your life because the authority that we have has been given to us by our Father. Okay? That, now, that revolutionizes things because a lot of times we're just thinking, uh, hang around, just go to heaven, end of the deal. God desires us to treat him and embrace him as Father because he wants to fully embrace us as his children, and he can't do that yes. if we don't understand who he is. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to read something here real quick. The cir- God's circular road of return. It's a circle. The whole Bible story is circular, and it's a cyc- cyclical uh, Jewish experience. The kingdom story is a circular account of our Heavenly Father who's restoring our broken personal relationship between himself and his children. Intimately knowing Father God and the Son whom he sent is life. It's eternal life to be experienced in the here and now. And Paul said it's to be laid hold of. In other words, we have to give ourselves to it. Because why? Separation from God relationally is by definition death. But through trusting in in Yeshua, in Jesus' resurrection, and by releasing his Holy Spirit, Our Father skillfully guides his children, this is the circle, coming back in a circular way back to the drafting board of his initially intended blueprint, which was, I want to give the earth to you to rule and reign and steward. I don't want it run by fallen angels. Okay? So we have to ask, what are God's goals and what are our roles? Okay? And so basically, um, as Don said, we are. We need to understand that we are God's emissaries. We take the kingdom with us wherever we go. And when, you know, Jesus said to the apostles, speak shalom, that wasn't just a nice little thing to say when you go into people's house and say peace. That was a kingdom commandment to let any uh, intruder, foreign spiritual intruder, to let them know that they now have to leave because we have declared shalom or peace when we enter that particular location. And that's what Don Envelson was talking yes. about, that, about that three-foot space. You take it with you, and it's kind of like you're the new sheriff because you're representing, you're representing the, the government because that's what kingdom is. Kingdom right. isn't only, only location. It's a government. When we say your kingdom come, we're saying, please, we're a mess down yes, here. Yes. Bring your government. What, what authority does it have with a badge saying, I'm going to heaven? There's no authority. But if you say, I'm God's kid, and God loves me and has empowered me, the enemy has to take notice because you're not just focusing on destination. You're focusing on relation. Yes. Clamp it. Yeah. We've, we've got about a minute and a half or so in okay. this segment. So just, just to wrap up, um, 
we are being given a mantle of delegated authority. Now, John explained that authority yes. is larger than power. Okay, it includes power, but we get authority as we obey God. And see, we get authority as we obey God. <laughs> yeah, and because see, that's not preached today. Because there, I actually had a new, a new convert recently in my family say, "Oh, you're preaching works um, if you preach obedience." I said, "Wait a minute," I said. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will, your will be done, that's religious works? That's dead religious works oh of the my. Pharisees? Please. Please. And that's what's being taught, Kaz. That's why yeah. we have to deconstruct before yeah. we reconstruct. Yes, yes, and yes. this is the, the way how the deconstruct and the reconstruct out of Jeremiah 1.9 takes place. And Earl is holding up a book called The Kingdom Calling. And uh, where is this book available? It's available on your site as well, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. And uh, but you know they can get it on Amazon or they can get it. Go to simpletruthministries.net. Uh, I'm a dot net guy, um, and I, I would just encourage. We're we're trying to get this book out. You know, the authors aren't making a dime on this. Uh, we're just getting it out to every person. One last thing I I have to explain real quickly. The reason I'll be the king. Um, uh, endorse this is because what we're doing in this book is we're saying God as Father God is acting as a magnet to bring together all of the divisions that Satan's trying to bring in with uh, racial relations, ethnicities, um, gender gap, uh, economics, all of it. Yes. And God, Father God says, uh-uh, if you're all children of one father, therefore you shouldn't be separating or dividing over anything. That's right. And this book is going to help you do that, but not only you. This is built so that you can hand it out to a bunch of other people and you can uh, collectively do it or singularly do it as well. We're going to talk more about this, but you have another guest calling in for the last couple segments as well. Correct. Uh, Mark Huey, and he's going to talk about um, how we're go- we need to get back to our Jewish roots. <laughs> Mark Huey is going to join us in the last segment. Who's us? Earl Clampett, Simple Truth Ministries, and M.E. Kaz. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, thank you. Uh, we're excavating a small booklet here. It's actually, a, 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 I would call it a field manual for battling the enemy. It's called Kingdom Calling. And uh, throughout the entire two-hour broadcast, with this being the last couple segments of the show, We've introduced a number of the four authors, and we're going to introduce another one here. And this man's name is Mark Huey. And, Earl, I'm going to have you introduce him a little further. But before you do, you know, I'm a guy who loves the Torah. I'm a guy who loves the feasts and festivals. I'm the guy guy who loves the city of David, the tabernacle of David, uh, the original Mount Zion, and all these different things. Because how, how can you fully comprehend the truths of God without understanding his feasts and festivals and his very, everything that is illustrative of his character. How can you understand the scripture? So when I started reading Mark Huey, I go, love this guy. Listen to this, Mark Huey, founder and director of Outreach Israel Ministries, uh, a ministry dedicated to helping believers understand the full and undivided counsel of holy scriptures from, listen to this, Genesis to Revelation, and listen to the things he instructs on. He talks about the Torah. He talks about counting of the Omer. 
and uh, that's a, a, a topic that I can't get into right now, but it's intense. And the Bible goes in cyclically. It gives you revelation and then builds on that revelation, builds on that re- revelation, and all of a sudden you say, my goodness, I'm understanding the character of God. So, Mark, what a joy to have you on the air with us, and I'm going to let Earl and you converse. Mark Huey. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I was I was blessed to hear uh, the commercial, and uh, Kaz actually used uh, the proper name of the Savior that he was called in Hebrew, Yeshua, which yes, obviously— yes. Obviously means salvation in Hebrew, so that's uh, that's quite a way uh, to announce yourself when you talk to the Pharisees. Hey, by the way, my name's Salvation. <laughs> that's great. Hey, Mark, um, we want to dive into your contribution um, to this Kingdom Calling a Field Manual for Believers. Um, I wanted just to, to kind of look at your chapter called Kingdom Calling to be one new man. Could you explain um, to the listening audience how why, most of the listening audience is, is Gentile. They're, they're not, they're not it's Messianic Jewish. Uh, how would you explain to a group of Gentiles what the relevance of God's covenant with Abraham and, and with Isaac and with Jacob, and, and when all of those uh, essential, foundational, um, contractual relations. What has that got to do with Gentiles um, in this, you know, 21st century? And why should it be important uh, to them? Wow, great word, great, great question. Well, uh, Earl, I I don't think you can really understand uh, even the apostolic scriptures if you don't understand the foundational building blocks of the entire faith system that we inherited uh, from, uh, you know, the father of faith, Abraham, and all the stories. And so, to me, uh, a structure without a foundation is not uh, something I want to spend much time uh, on, because it's it's destined to fall. So, so to me, as Cass indicated, some of the things that uh, we find in the Tanakh or the Old Covenant, let's call it, the Old Testament people call it, um, is so critical to understand because from that, the prophets and the writings and then the apostolic uh, scriptures, they all, in general, refer back to the very five pillars, if you will, in the the Torah or the Pentateuch or the, the first five books of the Bible that Moses gave us. So and without a, a, a more fuller understanding of what is revealed in those writings, then we're we're trying to figure this out uh, uh, without God's basic things for us. And so it's it's it, to me it's critical. And uh, so that's why 26 years ago, as a non-Jew, our family's non-Jewish, we were led to. Uh, uh, get involved with a Messianic Jewish congregation in Dallas, Texas. And uh, once we uh, got there after uh, a uh, trip to Israel, which I, I recommend all of the listeners, if they get an opportunity to go, please take that opportunity, go over there. It'll open up your eyes to, uh, you know, what the scriptures are all about in many regards. And uh, so 
we we realized at that point in time, if we wanted to grow in our faith, uh, the best way for us to grow was to uh, consider the entire counsel of God, as uh, Kaz mentioned from uh, Genesis through the book of Revelation. And uh, it's all there. And um, as we feast upon it, we grow. Let's talk about one new man. Does, um, if As I get into the things that you're advocating that I look into as a Gentile believer, question, does that mean I have to become Jewish? No, not at all. What it means, and if, and if you're referring to the passage in Ephesians 2, where uh, because of the, the blood sacrifice of the Messiah, uh, Paul tells us that the the wall of partition uh, was uh, torn into or torn down or broken down. So the, the wall between the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people or the Gentiles was taken down so that we could, we could come together uh, and become the one new man that, you know, a lot of people talk about now, but it, it was critical in, in uh, Ephesus because— the lion's share of the folks that were there were from Greek or Roman backgrounds or barbarian backgrounds. And so as these people were uh, accepting the uh, the good news that was being proclaimed to them, uh, they uh, were bringing into the camp a lot of things that uh, uh, the Jewish people were appalled with. They just they felt like they were unclean. They were involved in a lot of uh, uh you know, temple fornication and eating a lot of things that they thought would make them unclean and this, that, and another. But because of the Messiah's work at Golgotha or Calvary, we we have now the opportunity to become the one new man. And, and as Paul states further to the Galatians, it's neither Greek nor Jew, male nor female, bond nor free. So God... God really, He's not looking at our at our uh, gender. He's not looking at our ethnicity. He's not looking at our station in life. He's He's really looking at our heart. And if you've truly been born again, then you you have been given a heart of flesh. You have the Torah or the Law written on your heart, and now you have an opportunity to be a useful vessel in advancing His kingdom here on earth. You know, one of the things that I'm I rejoice in is that the scripture says that he's going to use the Gentiles to make the Jews jealous. Well, a lot of the things that we Gentile Christians embrace, that would never make them jealous. In fact, it would make them repudiate us all the more. And the more that we can understand God's feasts, God's festivals, God's times, God's uh, plans and days and years, that is the thing that will make them jealous. And here we are going, do 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 oh, this is nice, this is nice. It has nothing to do with the Hebrew Jewish Jesus. No, and Cass, actually, they're, they're biblical feasts, okay? They're, they're, yes. Leviticus 23 lists the biblical feasts, and they're, they're appointed times. They're called Moedim, appointed times, or Mikras. They're holy convocations. So, it became very apparent to us as believers, do we want to be on God's daytimer, if you will, on his calendar? If, if he has a calendar, and he tells us in those verses in Leviticus 23 and elsewhere uh, that these are the uh, times that he set apart when he wants to actually meet with us. So the, f- the first one he talks about is the weekly Shabbat, 
And it's like, okay, the Sabbath is in if the, the Hebrews, the Jewish people have said, well, it starts at sundown on Friday evenings and then ends at sundown on Saturday evenings. So that's a weekly opportunity to be on God's calendar and to commune with him, to worship him, to have fellowship with other believers. And uh, for me, once, once we understand, and our family, once we understood that, gosh, do we want to be with God when he's designated a specific day of the week for us to have rest in him as opposed not not that going to church on Sunday is a bad thing it's a good thing you know the more the more time we have with other believers in fellowship and praise and worship and all those kind of things is great but it became apparent to us it's like oh I want to be where God is specifically listed in his in his uh, word okay and so it became it became an easy transition, although we got a lot of pushback from our uh, Gentile and friends and family and all. Are you? Do you want to be Jewish? I say no. We we don't want to be Jewish. We want to be biblical. Ooh, that's, Ooh, all that's we so want good. To be. We we just want to be biblical. And 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 so a funny thing a guy said the other day. Maybe maybe said, you can hold this story to the end of the break at the other side of the break because we're running up against the clock here. Uh, we're talking oh, with Mark sure. Huey, uh, Earl Clampett, and a number of other authors connected with Kingdom Calling, a remarkable book. We're going to talk more about that. And, Mark, you're going to stay with us for the last segment. Are you not? Yes, sir. Much to look you. forward to, my listening friend, when Mark Huey and Earl Clampett and Kaz and Kingdom Calling come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Well, thank you, my friends, and welcome back. We're talking about a book called Kingdom Calling, a field manual for believers. The bottom line of our intent today is to instruct you about how you can be proactive and empowered. And so uh, Earl Clampett and the authors, four different authors of the book, have been sharing insights with you. So I'm going to hand it back to you, Earl, because we still have Mark Huey on the air with us, and he needs to do a summarization of his stuff, and then we need to spend a little bit of time encouraging people how to acquire this book and share it with other people and how to be empowered. Earl Clampett. Thank you, Cass. Um, Mark, I'm going to talk in about four or five minutes. Uh, can you summarize why you um, listed these collaborative efforts that uh, Gentiles were part and partial of the Kingdom of God movement in the in the uh, Jewish Testament and then continuing on into the Acts Church? There was so much involvement that you laid out with collaborative efforts. Um, how is that relevant to your listing all of that with Alveda's King's um, testimonial, testimonial or endorsement. It's an endorsement. Reaching beyond human connotations of race, culture, gender, and social standing, this book speaks to the one-blood human race. Can you, can you pull that together um, and connect those, uh, those examples of collaborative efforts? Again, four minutes. Go. Yeah. Uh, something I could take four hours to talk about, but just briefly, the uh, the key is God. God, uh, when He established humanity and then started separating us out, He He uh, set up 
separate nations, 70 nations, and Torah talks about initially, but of course there's a lot more uh, in today. But uh, essentially the Jewish people uh, ultimately became the uh, people who were challenged with maintaining the oracles of God. So they kept the oracles of God, and they have a unique call, uh, according to Romans 3, 2. But then the other nations have their unique gifting and, and callings, too. And so we have to understand that down through the centuries, there's been what I call you know, collaborative efforts or joint ventures. And I'll just mention a few of them real quickly here. For example, when uh, Moses was being asked to lead the uh, Hebrews out of, uh, out of Egypt, there was also a mixed multitude of other slaves from other nations. So when that a huge move of God to move uh, the sons of Israel, the children of Israel, and the mixed multitude out, it was essentially a collaborative effort of them, and they came into the 40 years wandering before they went into the Promised Land. So that was one of the, the hugest moves in the Old Testament. The next big move was when God was uh, uh, deciding to make Jerusalem the capital of of Israel, and David and the mighty men. The mighty men were men from other nations, okay? So to, to accomplish that huge event to make Jerusalem the capital of Israel, uh, and the classic example is Uriah was a Hittite, okay? So all the mighty men and David accomplished that goal. And then when we get to the New Testament, when Paul was out there with the other apostles and he was sharing the gospel with these Romans, Greeks, barbarians, and whomever, Thomas was going over to the, the going east, over towards India and stuff. They didn't understand all those languages, but in order to take the gospel and turn the world upside down in, let's say, the greater Mediterranean basin and around the world, God had to use Jews with the oracles of God, with the Tanakh, with the things they had, the, the, the various prophecies, and then the people who would learn and understand that Yeshua was the Messiah, that he did provide the sacrifice for our sin, and boom, they would then take it from there. So those three essentially coming out of Egypt, getting Jerusalem, the, the capital, and then evangelizing the world, it required a joint venture of the Jews and the non-Jews, okay? And that's the oneness that, that, that we have. To, and, and, of course, when you get to the book of Revelation, we've got people that are from every tongue, tribe, and nation. So there's not going to be just 144,000, if you will, from the 12 tribes, but there are going to be people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, because God gets a lot of glory because of the belief systems that these people have in him, and they still have some of their cultural uh, aspects that uh, help glorify him, because God is a very diverse father, as you've been discussing, and, and he, he loves the diversity of humanity. And and so that and that unity that, that comes, and I, I think Currently, we're in the process of seeing another huge move. I, you know, I, I look forward to this next huge move as God is going to use the Jews and the non-Jews in a collaborative effort to, uh, uh, I pray, turn this world upside down yes, again yes. And, and, and bring and bring some sanity to yes. this world. You know, I mean, looking, Mark, Mark the, we, it doesn't look like that if you look at the fake news. It doesn't look like that. But the truth of the matter is God's working behind the scenes, and this is what's being— happening right now, and he needs to call his kids to hear and obey, understand the Tanakh, the, the Torah, the, 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 the signs and feasts and festivals and things like that. When we can comprehend that, we can speak with the same language that Jesus spoke with, and all of a sudden we have a great deal of authority as it relates to the Father. Earl, uh, I'm going to have you... 
close it out uh, with, with Mark because we only have about three minutes left. The only summary that I want to say is that we the, the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament t- t- together has 40 authors, 66 books, but of the 40 authors, at least 39 of the 40 authors are Jewish. For us to pretend like we can live in a Greek, uh, foreign, Gentile world and put that template and understand a Middle Eastern experience of covenant and um, an establishment of God's kingdom, it ain't going to work. We've no. got to get a Middle Eastern point of view and a Middle Eastern mindset. Yes, yes. Mark, I, first let me just say thank you so much. and Give me your website one more time as we get ready to sign off, just quickly, because yeah. Earl and I want to close the segment with a, a recommendation to our listeners. It's real simple. Outreachisrael.net. Outreachisrael.net. Mark Huey, your remarkable man. Dig into his stuff. Go to uh, outreachisrael.net uh, and glean, okay? Mark Huey, thank you, my brother. All right. God bless Perfect. you. Thank you yes. for coming, Mark. Earl, Earl, we have about two minutes to close this thing. Where's your heart of hearts in this? We want to encourage people to get this book yes. and give it to others, too. In the midst of this crazy world where we see separation, division, bitterness, anger, hatred, vitriol. Um, a God, as a father, says, I'm smarter than a fallen angel, and we're in, the enemy's trying to divide every group in this nation upon, upon gender or race or ethnicity or economics or whatever or religion. He says, I am going to unite these, all of these groups, starting with Jew and Gentile, to prove that I am the magnet, I am the glue that brings this family reunited mm. all together, both Jew and, and Gentile, Gentile, under the auspices of a father who gives us identity, provision, and protection. There you go. My listening friend, I, I hope this, uh, you know, this is drinking from a fire hydrant. It always is, even though we have two hours to ex- excavate this. Uh, uh, the bottom line is you need to get this book, and it's pennies. It's for pennies, literally. I mean, because they wanted to make sure it's available for you. Uh, what's the, your website again, Earl, uh, so that they can find out more? Simpletruthministries.net, or you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Bob's um, uh, website also, which is awakening1.org. Uh, um, and I would just encourage people to get it, hand it out, inf- influence your oikos, and watch the world get turned upside down. That's right. And people, my listening friends, God's calling on you to do what you've been called, built to do. This is the time frame for you to rise to that occasion. Get this book. Be empowered by this field manual for believers because God is going to be using us to excavate this world and bring salvation in ways that people have not even imagined. And guess what? You are in that driver's seat with your co-pilot, Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My listening friend, thanks for joining us on Come Together San Diego, this two-hour period of time, uh, Kingdom Calling, remarkable book, Earl Clampett, thanks for joining me. My listening friends, we have more of this kind of things uh, all the time because we're devoted to empower you in the name of the Lord. See you next week. Thanks for joining Cast Hater and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.